Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Oh, I love it. Some of that looked a little too familiar. <laughs> Relationships, marriage, right? The, the highest of highs and the, the lowest of lows. The highest of highs was our first kiss. We were 15. We were at camp and we snuck out late at night to the dock. And it was that moment that I'm like, wow, this is better than video games. I mean, changed my life. <laughs> Highest of highs years later. We're in Jacksonville, Florida, and we're having a conversation that's heartbreaking. And you wondered if you're going to make it to the next day. Ecstasy and then emptiness that's there. And it all happens in the context of the same relationship. I mean, Solomon knew this to be true. He, he reminded us of a couple things. He acknowledged the reality of the highest of highs and lowest of lows. Proverbs 18, 22, right? He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. A little later, Proverbs 27. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands, right? Husbands, we're just as guilty of creating the same kind of emotional extremes. Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives, right? And don't be harsh to them. It's that same problem. How do we move from loving to harshness? We're going to see today and be reminded as we talk a little bit about this idea of marriage killers, relationship killers that are really there, that these things happen over time. We tend to fade into some of these destructive behaviors and kind of ways to think. And so today we want to give you five uh, marriage killers. So if you've got your Bibles, it's a happy one for us today, right? If you've got your Bibles, go with me, Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your phones, if you're new here, go to lexcity.info. Uh, all of the sermon notes and all the details, if you're new to our church, ways to find out, all there on lexcity.info. I want to remind you today at lexcity.info, we've got some podcasts that are on there. From uh, We did a marriage series a few months back. We took some questions from you, and uh, that's all listed there. And then also, probably as we jump in this morning, I want to remind you that as we talk about some principles in, in marriage here, next week's on parenting, we're going to be talking in gener generalities, right? This is ideal in these circumstances. Every relationship is different. Every circumstance is different. And some of those, right, um, there are elements of abuse. There's elements of neglect. There's elements of addiction. And in all of those, there's a different level of boundaries that need to take place. Some of that you need to professional help along those things. So I just want to say that at the front end, right? We're going to talk in general principles, uh, but you've got to take this and apply it to really what the Lord has for you in your own context that's there. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us a standard. It says, listen, if you are a Christ follower, and if you want to be in a Christ-centered marriage, then this is how you're going to experience joy, and this is how you're going to experience fulfillment in your marriage. So let's look. Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, and guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as any types of evil behavior. Instead, here's the standard, right? Be kind to each other. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Five marriage killers, five things that slide in. First one is simply this, and there's a ton, right? We could list it 15, 20. 
These are five, maybe not some you might be thinking of and maybe some that you haven't. But the first one is simply this. I would say this is unexpressed expectations. And I think in our relationship, probably one of our biggest learning curves has really been that, and learning to share really what some of those unspoken expectations are. Yes, because number one, unexpressed expectations lead to unmet expectations. Some couples come into marriage expecting, you know, the beautiful little nice home, farmhouse decorated home with a white picket fence, sunset walks together hand in hand, unmitigated joy every day. But I would have to say there is just no way that marriage with two imperfect people can deliver on that expectation. I love the quote by Brene Brown. She says, expectations are resentments waiting to happen. And because especially that can become especially problematic if we don't express those expectations and talk through them. I remember uh, as young married house chores. I had an expectation of what Brian would do and that was based on my home of origin and what my dad did. Well, Brian was not my dad, surprise. <laughs> it took time to navigate some of those expectations that I had. I wanted things done today and in a particular way. Brian had his own time of when he wanted those things done. So we really had to figure out and we, we came to a point where we would write and make a list of those things and then we would agree on a completion date. Now, um, that means it didn't quite get done when I wanted to get done, but it got done when Brian, you know, long before he thought it should get done. So that list solution has really continued in our relationship today. Another one was role responsibilities. Um, another expectation when we had our two boys and our two sons. I can remember after a full day of toddlers and meal duty and refereeing all day long that I had some thoughts and expectations of what supper in the evening would look like. Well, guess what? Brian had some expectations and thoughts of what the evening of supper and the evening would look like as well. So that was something that we really had to talk through. We had to express our expectations. We kind of had to define the roles that we were each playing in that and figure out together really what would be the win. So chores and roles and responsibilities, and let's just throw in emotional there needs with that, right, honey? Figured um, now that we're married, Brian would just know how I felt, right? He would know my emotional needs. I shouldn't have to tell him how I felt or what I felt or what I, what I needed, right? That's true. And quickly learn this. And ladies, you should know this. Like, men, uh, men hear about 25% of the things that you say, and we hear 0% of the things you do not say. <laughs> We are not that intuitive. Put that <laughs> there away. There is true, true, true statement. And for me, that was really a big area that I had some maturing to do. I really needed to get, get some guidance to learn to identify what I was feeling and how I was feeling because I didn't grow up in a home that nurtured um, healthy emotions. I thought there was just anger and happiness. And I remember learning that really there are eight eight basic emotions. Um, so I have come a long way in that, but I still get tripped up not expressing my expectations um, to Brian. But one thing I have noticed now that I am 
15 plus, is that in the different seasons of life, that feelings continue to change. So I need to remember to update Brian on my new and improved expectations. Right, this, is, this is true. They have changed, <laughs> and they change they do. often in different seasons. So, we, you know, it's that idea of, again, how do I articulate those uh, on those? And it's not only just in communication. Like, if we're having honest conversation about what this looks like in relationships, especially in the context of marriage, uh, let's talk again a little bit about something we don't always talk about in church when it comes to expectations, right? Sexual expectations and what that means in the context of a relationship. Uh, one marriage counselor put it this way. I appreciate it. It says this. Uh, sex is one of the primary reasons men get, gladly get into a committed relationship. They think it will be on demand and wild, and often it is for a few short months, and then things change. Whether it's at the six-month mark or one year or whenever, there will be a time when the quality of sex changes, and it might be due to tiredness, illness, boredom, or the demands of children, but it will change. And I think that's such an important thing to be reminded, right? You've heard Tammy and I say a lot in this series, there's seasons of marriage, right? And in seasons, things are different and things change. And I think every season has some different variables. Stress, right? Fatigue. Your sex drive changes in different times. There's physical limitations as the years go on and different things there. And if you don't acknowledge and talk about these things, here's the problem. If you just assume, intimacy is going to fade uh, over time. And if you're not careful, you're going to begin to look for that connection in other places and in other people. So as difficult as it may be to have these kind of conversations, even with your spouse, can I just remind you again that unexpressed expectations lead to unmet expectations. So that's expectations. What's Number another one? Number two yep. is comparison. And st statistically, women struggle more with this than men. Um, I think because we are hearing comparison that is happening just in our female circles, we speak similar messages in our own self-talk, things like, why can't we be more like Susie and Joe, or I want to do or have what Sally and Brad have, or I wish, and I would advise you to remove those two words from your vocabulary, I wish, because comparison only places doubt in your marriage and it only adds bitterness in your life. I like to say us plus comparison brings bitterness, but us plus contentment brings joy. So you may look at us today up here sitting and let me remind you what Brian said last week, that what you're seeing and hearing is a highlight reel of our life. It is not the everyday reality because we wanna share and be open and genuine with you all, but friends, we have had many hard, exhausting, hurt-filled days, um, just like every relationship experiences. Um, we've been in this for 33 years now, so I've had lots of time to train, Brian. <laughs> I'm just, I'm getting just, better. I'm just joking. Really, truly, though, I, I do love the life that we have built, but it has come with a lot of hard work and a lot of commitment. Yeah, and I think that's so, mm -hmm. that comparison thing is so important because it's, it's so true to our human nature, right? This isn't something we have to work at. Unfortunately, we naturally tend to devolve that way. And because it's so natural to us, can I just remind us, it becomes so critical in whatever season of life, if I'm single, if I'm dating, if I'm in a marriage relationship, it becomes so critical about what we're filling our minds with because comparison will naturally be there. So if we're filling our minds with boy, sexually charged things, whether you're just spending a ton of time on TikTok, whether you're 
reading books, having a magazines, or whatever it is, watching shows that are highly sexualized, here's the problem. If you're not careful, you will naturally begin to compare this fantasy world to your real life spouse. And I'm telling you, uh, is there anything healthy gonna come into your relationship with that? But it's the reality of where we do a lot of times. In our boredom or in our time filler, we tend to fill things with things that are not reality and begin to compare. Tam mentioned two of them. Uh, two, we compare in all different kinds of ways. Look at our, we drive our car back into the garage at the end of the day and we're comparing with, with our neighbors and our coworkers, right? I wish, wish my spouse made that kind of money, right? I wish I lived in this neighborhood and drove that car and I wish my kids could go to that school. I wish my spouse would use their gym membership a little bit more like so-and-so uses theirs, right? Uh, oh, I see them. They seem like such a great spiritual and godly leader. I wish my spouse was more of a spiritual leader in my home. And all of a sudden, compare. Just say, I wish. I, thank you. Yeah, I wish, right? <laughs> compare, 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 compare. And rather than appreciate and value, we now compare and ultimately we resent. Because all that glitters, can I remind you, is not gold. If Instagram was real, every influencer would be the happiest person in the world, right? There would be no divorce in Hollywood if it was all real, and pro athletes would have the best marriages, right? Pro athletes, think about this. The divorce rate amongst pro athletes, the most beautiful, wealthy people on planet Earth, the divorce rate amongst pro athletes is nearly 70%. Let that sink in. All that glitters isn't gold. So invest in what sits across the table from you every night rather than daydream on your screen of what ifs. Because comparison is the biggest thief to your joy at really in your contentment. Let me give you a third one. Uh, keeping secrets. We don't talk a lot about this one. We kind of like to keep it a secret. Secret. Well done there, I guess. All right. Let me give you two kinds of secrets that, that we tend to see a lot with couples uh, that are, I think, really marriage killers. And one of the secrets is, is really secrets from my past, especially secrets from past relationships and things that we've been engaged with. So I keep it a secret, right? I, I'm fearful that if I reveal the full truth, right, of my past relationships, my significant other will leave me. So let me address two, two separate groups when it comes to this kind of secrets of the past. Those of you who are dating... And you're dating, and those of you are married, two separate groups. Those of you that are dating, and you're moving towards what you hope to be marriage, can I just remind you that you owe it to your significant other, to be honest. And I know some of that is risky, and you risk that person walking away and ending that relationship. But can I remind you, it's their right to make an informed decision. So if you're in that dating relationship and you're moving for that, you, you've got to be honest. Truth, even difficult truth, even really messy truth is required if you're going to have an honest marriage. That person deserves that right. So honesty there in a dating relationship that's coming along. And another danger of keeping secrets is that when we keep that secret, we end up telling ourselves, well, if my spouse truly knew me, they wouldn't love me. And you begin to, th and so your feelings of acceptance are always qualified. And you begin to think, well, I know they say they love me, but they don't truly know me. Um, here's a secret diffuser. To be truly loved, you must be truly known. And in our marriage, some of the most hardest relationship building moments 
were times of difficult, honest conversations. Um, but what builds a strong marriage is when I am honest and I'm vulnerable and my spouse extends grace, accepts me with no qualifiers, and loves me. That's what builds a strong marriage. Yeah, I think that's... Uh in the marriage context, that becomes a foundation. Let me just say on that area of secrets, too, in terms of, of married couples, uh, we've got to be careful, too, that we don't define, because you've made a commitment at this point. For better or for worse, we're in this, right? That we don't define and we don't punish our spouse for their past. Uh, too many times we get in relationships, conflict, and couples use their past to punish their spouse in the present day where they are. And can I just remind you when it comes to that area of just, our, our sexual past is a synonym of who we were. It's not necessarily a reflection of who we are, right? So in the context, can I encourage you to just focus on what is God is doing in the life of your spouse in the here and now, uh, rather than always resenting and getting back to the past, right? Especially if that person has come to know Christ after their relationships in the past, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17, such a powerful. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a what? Is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And I'm reminded for us, as men and women who have experienced, right, the grace of God in our lives, that we have to be conduits of that grace towards other people. And so Tammy's point is so right on, right? In order to be truly loved, you have to be truly known. And that's vulnerable. But we see over and over, if you're keeping this secret to your past, you are always telling yourself, if they really knew, then they wouldn't love me. And it automatically puts those kind of barriers. So secret destroys those kind of, uh, of relationships and trust that we so desire. Here's a second secret that we see that you may not think about as much. Uh, it's financial secrets. Uh, Divorce law, uh, lawyer Russell King, he wrote this. He says, he shares that divorce are caused by financial issues more than anything else. Many couples keep their finances separate, he says. Not surprisingly, this does not bring couples closer together. If one person is a spender and the other is a savior, saver, you're going to have fights, right? When one hides their finances and the other finds out, it's going to lead to trust issues. If your marriage is going to work, being on the same page financially from day one will help you avoid seeking out a divorce eternity, and that's his job. But here's a person who sees this, right, every single day. And he reminds us of that, just the danger of keeping secrets from each other. That's why in most cases, right, I always counsel couples, if they're getting married, listen, put your finances together. Get a joint account, do this thing together. Because if you don't, it's always out of fear, right? It's an exit plan or it's fear. I'm a saver or I'm a spender. Tammy and I have solved this. We're just both spenders. <laughs> we just have a lot of fun. It's a terrible way to go, but we're having a blast, uh, right? But if you are a saver and your spouse is a spender, you know how this goes, right? All of a sudden, if you're not careful, you're, you're hiding money in the cookie jar so they can't continue to uh, blow up their Amazon account and spend it all, right? Or you purchase things and you begin to hide them and hide the receipts so that way you don't feel judged by your partner if they find out you spent all these things. Can I just remind you, man, you are on a slippery and dangerous slope of deception because it grows. Secrets are so difficult. I had a friend from the outside, he would multi-millionaire, you would assume that's their incredible business that he owned. They lived in this amazing house, extravagant trips, extravagant lifestyles. 
His wife and kids thought everything was great and life was set until he comes home one day and shares this simple truth. We're bankrupt. I've lost everything. I've over-leveraged the business. Um, Our house has been in default for months. And that secret cost him everything. And it didn't start out as a big secret. It was a little white financial lie. But by the end of the day, it literally cost him everything that he loved and was important to him. So to be fully loved, right, you've got to be fully known. And that means we've got to commit to one another, right, no secrets. Deal with what is behind, right, so we can move towards what is ahead. Fourth, uh, invalidating uh, emotions. Um, Here's what I mean by that. This is sometimes, it's just a habit, and it's a pattern we've fallen into. We've just kind of gotten lazy with one another. Um, or it's just a way that you grew up in your home of origin, how you speak and how you think towards one another, but it's this invalidating of emotions. Um, Dr. Omri uh, writes this. This is a tough one to avoid because it sometimes happens without you realizing it. For instance, if your partner says they're cold, but you aren't, it's easy to say it's not that cold without thinking anything about it. But a little offhand remark like this can add up. And as Dr. Omri says, you may not mean to be offensive, but if your partner sees it that way, it's going to be a problem. When a person feels invalidated, they often feel disconnected and unheard. So she says this. These two characteristics combined will definitely work to deteriorate a relationship very, very quickly. I'm cold. It's not that cold. It's a little thing, right? Over time and over days, and if you catch your spouse on the wrong day, that little thing kind of becomes a big thing uh, all of a sudden. So let me give you just some tools, uh, little crayons in your cram box, uh, maybe five statements that will really help you validate emotions rather than simply trying to solve a problem or do that. So, um, and these are in your lexity.info in the notes, but just five little validating statements. One, so simple, so straightforward. How was your day? No, really. How was your day? It's so simple, but in the chaos and busyness of life, sometimes we forget that. If you're married, you know when your spouse comes home or you come home and they're just off. How was your day? What's triggering those things that's so important? Number two, right? This is a great one. I'm I'm trying to learn better. I'm sorry. That seems really hard. I'm sorry. It sounds like a really rough day. Sorry you felt that way. Here's the beauty. It's just empathy with no judgment. I'm not defining it. I'm not even trying to solve the problem. I'm just sorry. You had a hard day. Tell me about that. Uh, Three, I can see you would feel blank, right, because of blank. I'm not making a judgment. I I can see how you feel that way because of that. Or another phrase that simply makes, uh, that makes sense that you would feel this way because of whatever that would be, right? I'm empathizing, I'm hearing, not judging, I'm just acknowledging. I can understand how you'd feel that way. It validates the feeling there. Fourth one, this is helpful for me sometimes. What do you need from me? Tammy and I have this conversation. Do you need me to solve it or do you just need to hear it, right? And she says that to me because then I, I know which mode I'm in. Do you need me to solve this problem? Oh, yeah, I've been waiting to solve a problem. Here we go. Or do you need me to hear Okay. Ooh, I'm sorry. I could understand how you feel that way. You see now I know I'm not trying to solve anything. I'm just trying to hear and be understand. So helpful for me. So what do you need from me that, that right now? And here's the other part, because I'm not overly intuitive if you haven't figured this out. 
it lets her tell me what she needs from me. Then I can respond. All right, so everything, so what do you need? I just need a hug at this point. Great, I'm down for that. Actually, I just need, I need you to take the kids. I just need a little bit of time. Great, now I know, I'm not guessing what you're needing. I'm able to respond that way. Uh, let me give you the last one. Is uh, let me try to paraphrase and summarize what you're saying to me. This is a good one, right? Mm-hmm. So what I hear you saying is, and then I try to repeat it back. For us, it does two things. It helps Tammy put her feelings into words. Because that sometimes I don't know what I'm feeling, I just know I'm feeling, right? So let's figure out how we can identify. Helps her put those in words. And then secondly, it helps me clarify the emotions you're feeling, So right? So what I hear you saying today is you're a little ticked off at me. <laughs> when I didn't put my socks away, it was this, right? Or whatever it would be that, in those things. So in those moments, last one, whatever those five questions, but just put some of those in your toolbox. So in the moment you have them, Here's the biggest thing. In that moment, just be present. Put the phone down. Be present. I'm sorry. Sounds like you've had a tough day. Tell me a little bit more about it. Be there in the moment. um, Because at the core of empathy is curiosity. Don't miss that. At the core of genuine empathy is curiosity. I want to know what is making this emotion in the heart of my spouse. And if we're curious, we'll learn and we grow along those ways. And another one with invalidating emotions, one last thing that falls into that category is sarcasm. When you're dating and when you're first married, there's a lot of fun and flirty and bantering and cute little sarcastic marks usually thrown back and forth. But sarcasm can become a problem um, because it does require that both parties be emotionally full. Because the moment that one of those is depleted, sarcasm feels very biting and very hurtful. And it can become a very passive, aggressive behavior. I was a lot funnier when we were dating, wasn't yeah, I? Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> that's an area that we worked on. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. a, Let me give you one last one in time. Uh, it's conflict avoidance. We see this as marriage killer. Most people try to avoid conflict because why? Because it's, it's uncomfortable. It's not easy, so we tend to avoid it. Um, Dr. Omri, I quoted from her past, simply said this, avoiding conflict is a silent relationship killer because it prevents the opportunity for addressing conflict to take place. When you aren't addressing conflicts, you're allowing the negativity to fester. The important thing is to learn how to deal with the conflict in the right way. Not learning these skills is a true way to kill your relationship, but do it very silently. Yeah, and it really ends up being a passive way of controlling your spouse because we feel better about it because it's not an outburst of anger and it's not yelling. But you mean in terms of just that silent treatment that's there? Yeah. Yeah. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. We, yeah, we know somebody who has a friend. <laughs> Hypothetically. Yeah. Well, my fellow stuffers <laughs> and silent treatment spouses, really, this is just as destructive um, to marriage because it's a passive way to avoid conflict. Um, you know, because we know that that doesn't stay stuffed. It comes out eventually, right? And it comes out very abruptly and it can come out very hurtful. And there may be times when you don't know exactly what you feel or what to say or how to say it, and I get that. Um, But I have also learned, and I would encourage you that in those times, you need to just step away, take time to process what's happening, 
Search your own heart. Ask God's spirit to show you because he, he will. And if you need to write down those feelings on paper, whatever it would be, it's interesting that when we begin to write and our mind is writing, it, emotions start to come out and we can identify those as we're writing those out. Take it from experience. <laughs> and I think that's true on both of them, isn't it? Whether you are a stuffer or you outburst. There are times that conflict, you just need to say, I just need, I, I need a few moments. Let me just get my thoughts again and let's come back to this. I'm not walk, running away to never come back to it. Let me just take a few moments. Let's come back to this. Let's get the kids down. Let's meet tonight, 8.30. And that's, and I think, the important, important part, that you make the time out as short as possible not days and not weeks later, out of just simply honoring and respecting the other one who is patiently waiting, um, and then really just set that time to come back together and, and talk about it and process it. Yeah. So expectations, think about these five marriage killers as we kind of wrap up our, our time today, right? Things that creep into our relationships over time, right? Expectations, comparison, secrets, validations, the avoidance of conflict, all of these things, here's the challenge, all of these things war against our marriages. They war against our trust, they war against our intimacy, they steal our joy and contentment. So today, as we close this part, here's just my challenge for you, is to fight for your marriage. To fight for it. So don't give up. Don't just assume the way it is is the way it's always going to be, right? That's the worst. When you just roll into this complaint, well, it's just where we are. Look, it doesn't have to be where you're going to spend a long time, the rest of your days, together. So fight for what you want. You have those areas in your marriage that are not just quite working as well. It's the communication. It's the con. Whatever it is, don't just push them down and ignore them. Fight for them. So you can dream together, so you can grow together. This is a growing process. Tammy and I are not the same people we were 33 years ago. I'm a better person because of our relationship and things that she's pointed out in my life and growth areas and ways I had to die to self. She's a better woman of God from our time together. That same is going to be true to you. You just don't settle and don't become complacent. Keep fighting. Husbands, let me just, as we close out, take a few moments with you because God has given you a wonderful and amazing responsibility to care and love and nurture and lead this wonderful gift that God has given to you. So, men, it begins with you, and I'll put it on us. There's areas in your life where there needs to be a course adjustment in your marriage, then can I just encourage you take the first step. You have the humility. You lead in this situation and say, hey, I want to get better together at these things. See, the incredible thing about men, and as I look around this room, listen, you are warriors at every area of your life. Don't become passive on the home front. You're a winner. You will fight for things in so many different areas, and yet somehow we get at home and we leave the sword and we leave the shield at the door and we walk into passivity. I'm going to tell you, listen, it rises and falls with you. And that's a lot. It's the beauty of 
Christ in our life and God working in our hearts and our spirits. But men, I'm going to tell you what, you, if you lead, you'll be amazed how your family will follow if you'll be consistent in those things. So I encourage us, right? We can do it together as we go. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about parenting and children. But let me just remind you this as we close out this section. Listen, the greatest gift you can give your children is to love your spouse well. The greatest gift that you can give your children is to give them a stable home where love is expressed and love is experienced. And all of these things, it's the challenge of marriage. It just calls for the best of us. But it can only happen if our first love is in Christ and God's doing a work in our heart, right? So it begins there. As we close out our time today, I'm going to just pray for us at the end of our service. Again, our prayer team are down there. We've got couples. If there's just something like you're saying, hey, I just don't want to be content. I want more. <laughs> I don't want to be stuck in this mediocre. I just want to pray, ask somebody to help us along these things. And man, these are opportunities. But it begins with a contentment and a peace and a love that first happens in our relationship with God. I can't give what I don't have along those areas. And if I'm loving God and fulfilled in that and Tammy's fulfilled in her walk with God, then together this makes it so much easier. And so I would encourage you today as we close out, if you've never experienced that in your life, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We had three folks last Sunday that came down and just prayed to the prayer team, say, I, I need to know a little bit more about this Jesus. Need him to do a work in my heart so my heart can be open. I invite you to do those things. Marriage, the greatest highs and the greatest lows, it's the greatest journey. It's a wonderful gift, but it calls something out of us every single day. Don't give up, don't settle. My singles, don't settle. You're worth it. Don't chase a boy. You need to wait for a man to come chase you. Don't compromise yourself. You will attract not what you want, but who you are. And you're amazing. Let God work in that way. Father, thanks for today. Thanks for just a reminder of some of these things that creep into our lives. These little subtle marriage killers. <laughs> where we just become complacent. And we compare and we become careless with our mind and careless with our thoughts and we begin to take what is fantasy and compare it to the gift that you've given and so God just in all of these things give us discipline renew in us a, a fresh highs and fresh heart and a fresh love towards a person that we've committed and covenanted together to spend their lives with God for my husbands and the men that are here uh, I don't know why our wives are so much better at this, but you've called us to lead in these areas and to be the watchman on the wall and to fight for our families and our spouses. And so, God, I pray for the men in this room here today. May we be the champions they deserve and the champions you've called us to be. May we resist the passivity that seems to follow us through those doors into our house, and may we champion what you've called us for. God, thank you for the gift of marriage. I pray for today, and I know even in the context of our church family, there are just some couples that even today, this is a hard series. These are hard words. I feel like they're a thousand miles away from this point. God, just give them hope today. 
Give them the courage to reach out, to not try to do this on their own. And God, may you do something new and amazing and fresh in their lives. And we give you the glory for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.